So would you take down Joe Biden with like a cover two defense with like two blitzing outside linebackers? Like what's the play here, chief? Like we Jack, we, we need to prepare. Like this is the 2024 election. This is the big one guys. <laughs> I just imagine well, like Ron Rivera is walking around with like a new assistant coach. Like, okay. Anytime you speak with Jack Del Rio, you have to put it in like conspiracy theory terms for him. So we're going to play like the Browns next week. It's the it's the Ohio gubernatorial and, you know, the Democratic candidate is like clearly somebody who's a part of the deep state. How would you defend against the deep state, Jack? <laughs> Jack, we're, we're, we're going to go about- with Comet Ping Pong. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, what are we going to do about that free blitzer that's going to come in? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. What, what do you mean? Oh, imagine it's like someone coming in to deliver votes for Joe Biden. How would you stop him? Oh, okay. Well, we're just gonna do the backside section on that, and yeah, that the 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 X receiver, Jack, Jack over here, over here, over here. That's uh, that's Hunter Biden, and he has the laptop. So, how are you gonna scheme to get the laptop from him? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Second Mouse Podcast. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Jack Del Rio's QAnon theories and football experience. This is a lifestyle podcast about the musings of the day, general commentary, and anything that we feel that you need to know. We are an up and coming podcast and we're trying to build our listener base. A few ways that you can help us is by following our Instagram page. All you have to do is search Second Mouse Podcast and you can do that on Twitter as well. You can also find us on YouTube under the same name, that's Second Mouse Podcast. And we'll post show highlights, interesting videos, and some outtakes as well to give you a better a better hit of what we're doing here. Lastly, we talk a lot of, we talk about a lot of things on this show, but we also want to hear from you and what is on your mind. So send us a direct message on any of those social media platforms like Twitter or Instagram. Share some articles, some stories, or anything you might find interesting. We are your hosts, and my name is Tom. I'm Q. Not to be confused with the world-famous juggler, I'm Anthony Gatto. And I think a general apology all around to our second mousers out there in that we dropped the ball, or I should say I dropped the ball on our third episode, which will be the lost episode of the Second Mouse podcast. We had some technical issues, some some challenges that we had with recording, and it is pretty much the jack of the Titanic. It is at the bottom of the ocean, and we will not be able to recover it. We did have some really funny conversations about some pretty ridiculous stuff, and um, guys, any highlights from last week that really have just stuck out to you? Yeah, uh, our love for uh, Sigma male uh, videos with Peaky Blinders, definitely. God. Can I just say I've looked at a couple of those and now I am just flooded with like the worst kinds of <laughs> fucking advice that you could imagine. None of it's good. All of it is just either Peaky Blinders or Suits clips and it's just don't trust people who don't pay their parking tickets or some dumb shit like that. Your algorithm is definitely going to start recommending like crypto and NFTs next to you at this point. Oh, it definitely is already doing that. We had a good conversation about that. Um, Sigma Bros and bad advice, thanks to Instagram. Gatto, any uh, any highlights from you? I don't even remember. I woke up the next day with a 
blaring hangover. Did we <laughs> we recorded like yeah, it's probably, I remember yeah, we it's just probably. I just remember we went on a tyrant about Harvey Specter and from there just alpha energy just coursing through my veins. I, I just I must have blacked out from You were you were fucking alpha. Well you were lifted with the spirit of Harvey Specter and you, you reached true Sigma status at that night. You were sigmatized. Yeah. You took the sigma pill. You know, it's just interesting, like, the whole sigma male thing. I was wondering today, what would it be like if you went to go see, like, a therapist, and the only thing they were able to give you was just, okay, you're going to watch these three sigma male, like, life tip videos on Instagram, and then come back next week and we'll talk about them. And it's, that's, shit is insanely unhelpful to me. Someone needs to explain the Peaky Blinders thing to me, though. I don't understand it. I don't get why is it always Peaky Blinders. I don't know. Have you either. watched the show? It's so weird. Have you, no, I, no. I've you you honestly never watched it. No. I've watched the first season, and it's it's good, but it wasn't good enough to keep me coming back. Yeah, it's, it's just like every episode just feels like a repeat of the episode before it, right? Yes, very much so. It it's just a bunch of gangsters. Like right after World War One, that all dress in the period of that time, and apparently dressing in that time with like a newsy cap on is somebody who can provide <laughs> you profound life experience. That's really what it is, right? I would say it's like England's version of the cowboy with bad teeth. That, that actually makes sense, honestly. But like, yeah, it's always he's always wearing that old man cap, and it's like this is this is like peak masculinity for these guys. Is like. Like Cillian Murphy wearing an old man hat, or peak masculinity is wearing like a wool suit in August. Like only real men can do this. Like yeah, if you invest heavily in like body powder, sure, that's exactly what you should be doing. You end up getting hospitalized for like dehydration because you're wearing a wool suit in August. <laughs> yeah, we, we tried to get his today. information and his insurance card information, but he just kept giving us like life quotes and like, sir, we need your United Healthcare card. This podcast this week is brought to you by Gold Pot. Get it on your balls. <laughs> It's better on your body. Fuck you guys. That was gold. How dare you not laugh at that? That was pretty funny. I see what you did there. It was gold as in gold bound. We also had a brief conversation about um, Mike McCarthy and his football Dungeons and Dragons experience. But if we're able to Indiana Jones, that old episode, we might be able to drop it on Twitter or give leave a quote on Instagram. I want to move to the most recent drama in the NFL, which was the divisional round playoffs and boys. What a weekend. It's really sad because there's no is it really sad? Super Bowl. It is because the Super Bowl is not going to be able to live up to that Chiefs Bills game. It's just it's just not. Like that was the that's basically the Super Bowl this year. Who won that game is going to be the winner of the Super Bowl, right? Like the Chiefs the Chiefs are gonna yeah. be the winners of the Super Bowl. Can we just all agree on that right now? Uh most likely. Uh but I mean the Chiefs lost to the Bengals in the regular season, so I mean I I'm not I'm not gonna count Joe Burrow out at this point. Um but I will say that, I mean, it's going to be hard-pressed for anybody, any of them. The, the, the momentum that the Chiefs are going to have at this point for winning that game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has just proven to be a football god at this point. You're talking about, well, he had, what, 13 seconds to get yes. down the field? And, I mean, he the, the fact that, like, and, like, he was talking about it after the game, and Kelsey 
said he didn't even run the route that was designed on that play. Like they just, they have such a good rapport that like he knew because they were protecting the sidelines, trying to make sure that they didn't get out of bounds. He just ran the seam and he was wide open. And you know what though? The biggest L of all has to go to uh, the Bills coach, Sean McDermott, because he decided to do a kickoff and it went, it went out of bounds. So, I mean, obviously it was yeah. just a, it's a touchback, but like he didn't even try and attempt like a squib kick or something to at least take a, a few extra seconds off the clock. And I mean, I, I guess maybe he didn't go into it thinking that Patrick Mahomes could engineer that type of ability, but like really kind of dropped the ball there. Yeah, I, w- I would think though that the Chiefs are such a good team. Like, and I know that the Bills had, you know, one of the best rated secondaries and one of the best overall defenses in the league, but there were so many instances where it was just, they left guys wide open. And I know that Tyreek Hill is a freak of nature on his own and he's impossible to cover, but like you need to put a body on him regardless, cause he's not a big dude. You need to find a way to, to put some physicality on him at the line of scrimmage. And that team is all about timing and they never disrupted any of his timing and they just that offense for the bills didn't do anything wrong but that defense and the 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 decisions that they made and the coaching that they conducted was problematic it didn't seem like they made any kind of actual adjustments to take guys away because outside of tyree kill kelsey was pretty quiet up until the end running game didn't really do a whole lot they'd get like intermittent plays from some of the other receivers, but nothing that really blew them out of the water. They they had lost Tredavious White in the beginning of the year, and that was a huge loss because he was he's one of the top corners in the league. But uh, they've survived mainly because of how good those uh, safeties are in the back end. But, you know, when you're dealing with the, with the Chiefs, I mean, it's, it's really anything goes at that point. But yeah, I think I think a good model was um, in the San Francisco Green Bay game. Uh, they they really committed. D'Amico Ryan's really committed to doubling Devontae Adams and mm-hmm. forcing Rodgers to go to somebody else. And of course, Rodgers was still trying to go to Adams, even double teamed. And that's ultimately, I think, what kind of helped them win that game. Well, there's that one play. It was what they tied up. It was tied up at that point, right? It was after the punt block for the touchdown. And back on the field, it's third down. But he goes, he down. goes deep, Devontae Adams, and Adam Lazard is wide open, right? And he would have had enough for the you know, a new set of downs. Yeah. He was open in the middle of the field, but they also said that he could have hit St. Brown. St. Brown on the other side was wide open, streaking down the field, and probably would have been a touchdown. But, uh, you know, again, like Rodgers just trusting Adams too much in that situation. And I guess or just Aaron Rodgers in general just not being good. You know, when I watched that drive there, I really felt like he had given up. I'm not giving the 49ers enough credit. I think that defense, that special teams, right now they're playing at the peak. Um, it was probably really, really difficult for Rodgers with the Falcons, but it was a total breakdown of Green Bay, especially in those last couple minutes, and that was why we had the result of that game that we did, right? Speaking of special teams, though, I mean, you know, the block punt, the block field goal, and then the last play where San Francisco kicked that field goal. Green Bay having 10 players on that team. I don't know who the special teams coach is in Green Bay, but I would, I'm going to say he's not going to have a job after this uh, after this week. There's a pizza hut in Green Bay that's going to be hiring soon. Dude, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the fans drowned him in a cranberry bog somewhere after that game. It's, it's interesting, though. So I, I want to kind of pose a question to you guys. What, is this, what does this mean for Aaron Rodgers in, in a football sense? Because this is now another year 
I mean, he didn't, you know, he usually gets to the championship game before he blows it. This is the divisional game. I mean, you talk about the number one seed all year, one of the top offenses, and they can't even get past the first game. Ultimately, Rodgers is 37. He's not a young guy anymore. Uh, he's 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 past that point of like he's going to get there eventually. And you got guys like Burrow who's 25, and Mahomes who's 26, and Allen who's 25. They're all getting further than him, younger and yeah, at a younger age. What does this mean for Rodgers' legacy as far as you're concerned? And I, I was actually going to step back further from Rodgers and talk about the other big quarterback. I was also going to bring into the conversation the other old quarterback in or veteran quarterback. I guess that's the nice way to say it. Um, Tom Brady and early exit from the playoffs for both Brady um, kind of is saying what I think everyone's kind of coming to understand or, or is is ready to, to see is that there are now more talented quarterbacks. There's youth here that these guys are multidimensional where I don't think neither Brady or Rodgers were as dynamic at any point. I know Rodgers could run for a very long time, but he doesn't anymore. I just see it's like it really the old guard is passing. It's, it's divisional too because like the top young quarterbacks, you got Allen, you got Mahomes, you got Burrow, and you got Herbert. They're all in the AFC. I mean, you look at like the future of the NFL with Brady potentially retiring, Rodgers kind of on his way out, or potentially going to an AOC team like the Broncos. As a Giants fan, I actually feel kind of good about this because if the if this new GM can fix it in the next few years, there's the NFC is wide open. There's really no perennial power in the NFC. I have a hot take. Aaron Rodgers has ascended to the mantle that Peyton Manning sat on for a very long time and a guy who could not win the big game. Because yeah. how many how many years have they had home field advantage in the playoffs and how many years if they lost in the NFC Championship or the Divisional Championship. And in all of those years, it's been like Aaron Rodgers and MVP. Aaron Rodgers has the highest passer completion percentage in the league or still for the most touchdowns or the most yards. Like all of that shit doesn't matter. He's not winning the games that he's supposed to. The teams that he plays for, regardless of what he thinks, are pretty talented because you can't go 14-2 and in a 16-game series and not have any good players on it. But at the same time, too, that luster of Lambeau being this indefatigable like home field advantage where nobody but the Packers are familiar with cold weather is also a fucking lie at this point because at the end of the day, it's also hard for the Packers to play football in that weather, too. Being a passing-minded team when it's zero degrees out, that's that's an unhelpful situation for everybody. But at the same time, like Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be this guy. He's supposed to be the dude. Like he's supposed to be the one who can win those games. And every year since probably when they won the Super Bowl, he has proven that he's either hurt or doesn't have the the moment to capitalize on. Or when he does, he doesn't and he's a polarizing character now, they just don't win games. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I hear what you're saying and you're right, those are talented teams. But I will say though, if you go back from, I, I can't pronounce the, the new GM's last name, it's something with a G, um, and then you go back to Ted Thompson, uh, the previous GM. Yes, that is a talented team and they have 
done a nice job at getting guys like Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and, and obviously Devontae Adams. But you know the last time the Green Bay Packers used a first-round pick on a, a position player, like a skill position player? It was 2002, Javon Walker. I understand the concept that, like, they are talented players, but, like, they have never gone the way acquiring the big-name receiver. You know, because, like, I, I imagine, like, if, if there was a guy like Stephon Diggs available right now, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings would have traded Diggs to a division rival. But something like that to give Rodgers that like big time, you know, player. I mean, I know Devontae Adams has turned into that receiver, but he was like a second or third round pick. Um, so that was kind of taking a a lucky shot on it. So I will say that yes, he has proven that he can't win the big game, but like when you look at what Hayton was able to do in Denver because he had Demarius Thomas and all those guys. And then you look at what Brady's doing with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and all those guys. Rodgers doesn't get the same support from uh, ownership as those guys typically got. To push back on that, though, yes, he hasn't gotten a he hasn't gotten a first round skill player in his tenure there. But at the same time, he's also somebody who's had the ability to play with play with a Devonte Adams, play with a Donald Driver, play with a Greg Jennings, play with a Jordy Nelson. Like um, who was the tight end like four or five years ago? I can't remember his name, but he was he was a solid tight end. He was like an 800 yards a year kind of guy. They cut Michael him. Finley? Yes, not first round talent, but you could also be one of these teams that drafts a wide receiver every year in the first round and they never go anywhere. Like how many wide receivers have the Patriots drafted in the top two or three rounds oh. and they've been absolute ass. You want to talk about brutal. They recently took Enkel Harry from Arizona State uh, a couple years ago and they passed over AJ Brown and like all these like superstar receivers. It's just, so, oh, they, they're so bad. Bill Belichick for all his credit, man, being one of the greatest coaches of all time, he can't scout a receiver for anything. It's yeah. it's awful. So all that to be said, like it doesn't matter if it's in the first round or not. He's played with talent. It's just they've never been able to capitalize on him. Whether it's the the eight sided die that Mark Mike McCarthy used to roll didn't land on the play that he wanted to in his football <laughs> D and D collection that he had, or Aaron Rodgers just didn't play well in those games, or he was hurt. Gato, you got something to say. Well, it's funny. It, it touches on what Q was saying, too. Here's a team that, you know, every year they're playing in the fucking snow, right? You would think you'd want to ground game. When, when the snow was fucking falling, the ground game was not there because they, they didn't go out and fucking get the players to do it. And they didn't have any practice in general in, in close games or when when did they play behind in the entire season does anyone know the first game maybe <laughs> there's that one game this year too yeah they yeah. were they were front runner they were front running the entire year i i was worried about them because of that though you, you make a great point because like I mean, they, they had not really faced any adversity the entire season but <sighs> You know, I'm, I'm, this is me funny, playing man. devil's advocate. This is really me just playing devil's advocate. But, um, but oh, yeah, so the receivers that the New England Patriots passed on, uh, they took Ankel Harry at 32, Debo Samuel won third number 36, uh, A.J. Brown won 51, and D.K. Metcalf won 64. I still so, remember that pick in, like, 2004. They got Chad Jackson from University oh. of Florida. 
I liked him though. I did like Chad Jackson. Well, he was the fastest guy at the combine, and apparently Bill Belichick like had his own Al Davis moment where he was just like, "Who's the fastest guy out there? Let's get him." <laughs> and the guy like bust tables now or whatever. But I want to shift back though because for for everything Aaron Rodgers not making it further, I think there's so much to talk about with the other teams because we talked about last like. No one cares about the NFC. All the action is in the AFC. I do have to ask this, though, because we have been habitual haters on this one team, and rightfully so. They have been so easy to to make fun of over the years, but are we Bills fans now? It seems like it. It seems like it, right? I Listen, I I will expose myself here. I will expose myself here. I w- I thought Josh Allen was going to be the biggest bust alive. I, I, I would did prefer not have- you don't expose yourself, even if it is radio. <laughs> listen. Yeah, you're um, near school too, so keep it. <laughs> listen, I thought Josh Allen was going to be the biggest bust alive. And I'm like, you know, cause, I mean, you know, typically if you look at, he, he's obviously, the, the, this is going to be the problem with Josh Allen though. Every single team now is going to look at a guy who has a big arm and can run really fast and all that, and they're going to say, he's the next Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is the exception, not the rule, because, I mean, he threw under 60% in college and was just was not very good in college. But he obviously has all the tools you want. But I, 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 I'm glad he ended up in Buffalo because they actually had a great, they had a great coaching system there that was able to kind of help him develop. But honestly... Bill's Mafia is just they're they're just such a unique group, man. I just I I love the commitment to just being drunk idiots um, because that's what I am. Uh, but for to watch them just like weekly, like, you know, just jumping through tables, it's, it's hard not to root for. Got it. What do you think? In a league that, I mean, for years, the Bills were just slightly above or below the 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 level of the Jets. It was it would be like a tough fight for third place in that fucking division. This is a team that you have to kind of love that underdog story. They built from the ground up. They did everything right to get to this point. You got to kind of, you know, you, you, you chuckle when you first see, like the first time you see one of those fucking table videos and somebody going through a table you're like jesus christ what the fuck is going on up there they're absolutely insane but that's endearing in its sense too that there's that much you kind of got to love them for also the fans for being so dedicated through all those years too they're at that point you know you kind of tip your hat team that all the rest and make right moves to get where they need to be and uh you know that's why i raised my beer to to them this week um, because they, they had an excellent season. They did a great job, and I can't wait to see what they do next year. Did you guys did you guys see the video um, from the divisional round when they were going against the New England Patriots that Ryan Fitzpatrick... Yes. Who, who, by, the way, by the way, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a member of the Washington football team this year before he got injured. He obviously played for Buffalo. That was probably before now uh, was the last time they were kind of relevant. They had Ryan Fitzpatrick, a quarterback, and they were mediocre, but they were they were like kind of exciting to watch at sometimes. Watching him shirtless at the game, freezing temperatures, 
just partying. Like it goes to show that like despite everything, all the other teams he's lent to, he came back to Buffalo. And I just I yeah. fucking love it. And that's the thing too, is like because Gatto, you and I went to college with a bunch of Buffalo Bills fans. And that was during those like really lean years that they had where they were not good teams, but Bills fans thought they were. And it was, you know, they had a, a handful of players that were enjoyable to watch. Like that was the time where Marshawn Lynch played for them. Leotis McKelvin was on that team. Jarius Bird. Like they had good players, but they didn't have enough to make the team actually good. And every year it was like, yeah, man, we're going to be 12 and four. It's like your fucking quarterback is Trent Edwards. Like whatever mold is growing in your room, like let's be real. Or JP Lostman, like are you on drugs? How sad is that 2004 you end up with JP Lostman? And I think like that's the thing that always made me not like the Bills for a long time was like this every year we're going to be this like 13 and three like Patriots killer like that's not how this team is built. <laughs> and this yeah, is like the I mean, this is the team with Nathan Peterman too. Like nasty Nate Peterman. And they were like, yeah, we're gonna win this game. Like that man, that motherfucker has thrown more interceptions than anybody else in the league, and he's only played two games. Like, <laughs> let's be realistic about this. But they've put together a really, really solid team, and they've drafted all those guys too. And I think there are a to Q, to your point, there are a lot of people that did not believe in Josh Allen, myself included. But the one thing that surprises me the most about him is the level of progression that he's gone through. Like, he has gone through, like, he's the only person to make the Madden create a player level of progression, like the my career thing, and actually stuck through it and made the player good. And every year the numbers get better. The touchdowns were down this year, but every all the peripherals were solid. Tom, I'm going to need you to put some respect on Tyler Thigpen's name, okay? Former quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Um, speaking of, yeah, no, I'm, and this is what makes me excited for – I'm going to veer to the Giants because that's what I do. Um, I'm so thankful that they were smart and they hired the assistant GM from Buffalo and they're going to most likely hire Brian Dable to be the new head coach because I think if you look at what Brandon Bean, the, the general manager of Buffalo has done, if you just look over the last few years, they showed a, a, a screenshot of a roster from a couple of years ago before he took over in the roster. Now it's so much better. They took a big shot on getting Stefan Diggs. They gave up a first rounder for him has worked out perfectly um, and just so, you know, you look at like the, even like the low, like contracts they gave out, these guys are just outperforming their contracts. Gabriel Davis in this last game, he had oh, over 200 means. yards and four touchdowns. He was fourth round pick last year, a guy that I don't think anybody ever expected him to do this. So aside from the fact that they've been drafting well and building a really good nucleus around him, man, they showed a lot of faith. They, they not only selected Josh Allen at seven, they moved up from 12. So they, they gave did. up additional picks to go up and get Josh Allen and Brandon Bean said he was our number one guy the entire time to where everyone was talking about is Sam Darnold going to go number one and then and it ends up being Baker Mayfield and like oh is now Sam Darnold going to go to the Giants at number two the entire time the only good quarterbacks in that draft were the last two selected which was Josh Allen and then Lamar Jackson so yeah it just goes to show, man. It, and but like you, you make a great point though that they knew with having Brian Dable and having Ken Dorsey that they they were going to be able to build him up, and they've done an awesome job. 
Can I say something that I heard on ESPN this morning that made me stop and have a general concern look on my face for the Giants? Keyshawn Johnson in his infinite wisdom or Mike Pannon, Mike Tannenbaum with his years of like championship level experience with the Jets and the Dolphins suggested that the Giants should also sign Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I agree with that. Why the fuck would you do that? Because so to give you an idea, there is no there is no quarterback in this draft that is going to be worthy of a top 10 pick. Now the Giants have two top 10 picks this year. They they acquired that pick from the Bears. I don't I don't want them to take a quarterback at this point if there's not one that's worthy of taking at that point. So Mitch Trubisky has been with the the Bills I think the last year. So he knows Brian Dable's offense pretty well. This is more about not about giving Mitch Trubisky a shot. It's more about we're going to be stuck with Daniel Jones, right, for another year. I want someone who's going to push Daniel Jones too often in the past. The Giants have been like we can't bring in another quarterback because we don't want to like show up Eli. We don't want we don't want to make it look like we're showing Eli up. And really when they finally signed somebody like David Carr in 2011, Eli Manning had an MVP type season. They win the Super Bowl. I think competition. Look at what Rodgers with Aaron Rodgers when they drafted Jordan Love. What did he do? He won he won the MVP. I think a not, lot of times not anything I'm, else after that though. Not anything after that, but I think competition can be a good thing. I'm not expecting Mitch Trubisky to come in and like, and again, I'm not talking about like a five-year deal worth a hundred million. I'm talking about a one-year deal at like whatever. I think it'd be good to have somebody on the roster that knows the offense pretty well. And then having somebody that will at least push Daniel Jones and maybe bring out something in him. I don't expect anything of it. I'm hoping I'm focusing on getting a quarterback in 2023, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think I don't, it's a low risk, Potentially, I mean, the guy was the number three overall pick in the drafts a couple years ago. It's it's a low risk, high reward type of situation. You're going to bring him in to push someone that we're already questionable about. I mean, we've seen him for you know over the last season, the last two seasons, and nothing's bringing someone in, not with the possibility of just replacing him. Because I mean, if he plays any worse than he is now, I mean, we should be replacing him. So it just feels like wasted money to to pay to push somebody. Where- well, well, no, it's 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 not it's not just pushing him. It's also about having a backup, because as you've seen this year, Daniel Jones misses at least two games every single season, and I don't want Mike Glennon to be my backup anymore. And I mean, I'm not saying Mr. Trubisky's like a humongous upgrade, but like he's certainly better than Mike Glennon is. And to defend Daniel, to defend Daniel Jones for a second, I will defend Daniel Jones for a second here. He showed tremendous progress in his rookie year when he had pat Shermer. he had 24 touchdowns 12 interceptions he almost if he had played the entire season he may have broken peyton manning's rookie touchdown record since then he's had 22 passing touchdowns in the last two years and i'm going to call that the jason garrett effect so as far as i'm concerned i i think if daniel jones gets a person on him who has he can be alex smith he can have an alex smith type resurgence I'm, he's never going to be a top quarterback, but he can certainly be a guy who gets you to the playoffs if you have the right coaching staff. I don't know what was wrong with his neck. Mike Lennon's neck, neck this year. He's too big. No, I mean. Not the, the human draft. Yeah. No, no, I mean. <laughs> yeah, if, if only Glennon could too give. Too much neck. If only he could give. Too much, give too much neck. Daniel Jones some of his neck. That's why they signed Mike Lennon, because if they needed to have a neck transplant surgery, 
they knew where to go and Glennon had left over. So he's like, he's like, I got, I got enough for at least four necks. Don't worry about it. Take some. But yeah, I just heard that on the news today, or I heard that on ESPN and I was curious, like are giants fans down with this, but it sounds like you are. I mean, ultimately you're right. Like this, this quarterback draft class is trash. And I think it's going to be very easy for teams like the Panthers, um, the Vikings and a few others to get real, real interested in just going for a reach and trying to draft one of those guys. Honestly, I don't even know who's out there right now in that draft class. It And that's a problem because if, if you haven't identified like a true first round draft pick quarterback yet, that means we're going to go into the combine and the news or the hot take industrial complex in ESPN, they're going to find somebody who looks like a first round draft pick and pump him up and he'll go fucking third to some screwball team that doesn't know any better. Oh, expect already that there's going to be probably three or four quarterbacks going to top 15. Um, they're already pumping up Malik Willis. And I, I'm look, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Malik Willis, but like, I'm not taking him in, in the top 15, uh, I'll, maybe in the back end of the first round. If like, I want to jump back in and, you know, get that five year contract for him, maybe, but you're talking about a guy who went from Auburn to Jerry Falwell university. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I will yeah. say this as a Syracuse football fan, they played Liberty this year and they handled Malik Willis. Like, if Syracuse is beating you and making you look bad, that's a problem. And well, Liberty also plays some some bum teams, too, and they pay a lot of people to play them. This is what I will say, though. I think if Josh Allen has taught us anything, it's that you do need to look at traits, right? Because, because if you looked at Josh sure. Allen at Wyoming – uh, going against Power 5 schools, going against any school that was was like a Division One team, he got worked by those teams. I mean, just yeah. terrible. You have to draft traits. You have to look at the guy's traits and say, can I take him from what he is to being what he could be? If anybody's going to have that that this type of year, it's going to be Malik Willis. I mean, I've ne- I, the way he can run the ball is like electric. And he's got a fantastic arm. But there's going to be questions of, like, why were you there at Auburn for two years and you all of a sudden just decided to cut bait and leave? There was no perennial Bo- – oh, what is it? Uh, that boat kid at Auburn is not very he good. Left too. He left, He left. He went to Oregon. Yeah. So, so if you couldn't hack it at Auburn, what happened there? Was it just that Auburn misma- mismanaged the roster? Like kind of like with, with uh, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow was on the Ohio State – um, team for a while, and then ultimately they they never started them. So we went to LSU, and he broke the touchdown record. Is it that? You, I think that's what the coaching the, the coaches are going to have to figure out. Is it that Malik Willis failed at at Auburn, or was it that they failed him? I think it's that they probably failed him because they failed a number of quarterbacks there. I just did a quick search of the uh, the quarterback options in the draft this year. Kenny Pickett being one of them from Pitt. Having watched him, he's played there for a very long time. He's probably the most experienced out of all of them, but he's probably one that has done a lot with his brain and not necessarily with his talent. Like he's very familiar with the ACC at this point. Five five years at Pitt, Tom. Five years at Pitt. He he had I I forget how many touchdowns he had this year. Thirty six, thirty seven. He had a big year. 
But this is his, a, this is his only like big year for them. That's what I was going to say is that if you if you count the amount of touchdowns in the last four years, it doesn't even equal what he put out this year. I am hesitant to take a guy that early um, that and he also he's going to be 24 when he starts his rookie year, which is much older than any of the guys that you typically get. And honestly, I like he's he's great. But like, I, I don't he doesn't have an electric arm. He's not the most accurate guy. He's he's fine. Yeah, Matt Corral from Ole Miss doesn't do anything for me. Nope. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, no. Not interested. Um, let's see, Sam, Malik Willis. Sam, I will say Malik Willis and Sam Howell interest me the most, but Sam Howell is kind of Baker Mayfield adjacent, so I, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he started in his freshman year, and honestly, I think there is more hype because he was – a kid from Charlotte going to UNC Chapel Hill where they've had some really lean years and he had one really good year and everybody was jazzed about it. But this year sucked. And the year that he was the freshman was average at best. And then Caleb Strong from UNLV and or UN University of Vetterino and I don't know who the fuck that Car- is. So. Carson Strong. Yeah, Carson yeah. Strong. He's he's got a great arm. He he is strong anybody, arm. Would you say a strong arm? <laughs> I would say strong arm. If anybody, like I'm telling you, if somebody wants to get a guy like Josh Allen, that's about where you're gonna get. But like he he could be the next. He could be the next Josh Allen. He could also be the next. Uh, what was that quarterback's name from Denver a couple years back? Drew Lock. No, the no the the big doofy one that they draft. They they traded back in the first round for. Oh, Brock Osweiler. <laughs> See how many bad. I'm not. It's not even the guy I was talking Trevor about. Trevor Simeon. <laughs> I am trying, Q. <laughs> but that's how many bad quarterbacks that they've had over the last years. Uh, that like I, you, you literally rattled off like three or four names, and I was like, yeah, the entire time. Um, I, I like him, but like again, it's just I, none of these guys. I'm I'm not interested in any of them. Not a single one, especially next year. When you possibly gonna have CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, I'm not I'm not taking one this year. Last thing on the NFL, um, Sean Payton has decided to join the Great Resignation. What are his plans? What do you all predict he's gonna do? And does this mean that New Orleans is going back to the dumpster fire that it was pre Sean Payton? Yeah, uh, Paxton Lynch, by the way, who was the guy I was talking about? Um, yeah, speaking of nobody. <laughs> Uh, I th- uh, my, my biggest fear with him has always been that he's going to become the Dallas Cowboys coach. So I'm hoping that he's serious about retirement and he decides to uh, just go. I, I mean, he mentioned the booth, uh, mentioned going to becoming a commentator. He said he talked to Drew Brees the other day about it. So I think that's kind of where he's headed. But who knows? I mean, I, these guys get an itch after a year or so. But what's more important, though, is I think the New Orleans Saints, um, I have a pick for the New Orleans Saints head coach. I don't know if you guys are interested. Is now. Fudge? No. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer. There is a Netflix movie coming out about Sean Payton, the year that he got suspended from the NFL, and it's a movie starring King of Queens star Kevin James playing uh, Sean Payton. I think the they should... Oh yeah! If you are right, real, so if you have it's if, real? oh, it's hundred and ten percent real. If you have not seen this, look it up. It is. Uh, I don't know the name of the movie, but just type in Kevin James, Sean Payton, you'll see it. The Paul Bart Mall Cop. The Paul Bart Mall Cop, and he is playing Sean Payton. So I think the New Orleans Saints should hire Kevin James as their next head coach, but he has to be in character of Sean Payton the entire time. 
Well, I hear he is a method actor. He spent years at a UPS to to get into his role of King Queen. Yes. So yes. That, that tracks. It tracks. A true a true legend. He doesn't even fucking look like him. Not even in the slightest. And and look, I, I'm a. If I'm anything, Pat Oswalt should be him. I and I think he'd do a better <laughs> job. By the way, I, and look, I, look, I'm a bigger guy, so I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna judge him. But like Sean Payton is like a average size dude and like kevin james is a big dude and it's like it doesn't look right when you're playing sean payton and you look like him it just it doesn't make any sense didn't he get like real fucking fit i thought he got real he did for a while for a while but it it went away he did that movie where he played the ufc guy and uh he was in he was in killer shape for a while and then it just kind of i don't know kind of fell off but why does sean payton need like a a comeback story bro and and this movie is like it's an For Adam what? Sandler movie. It's an Adam Sandler movie too. It's like there's like like at one point Rob Schneider gives kids like some treat and they end up puking on the field. And of course Rob Schneider's in it, by the way, if you didn't realize. Is Sean Payton like one of Adam Sandler's buddies? Is this uh is he just I don't gonna know. Yeah, they like did they dine we together like in like rip? a buffet in Cancun or something? The the the, the, the He's plot of the movie on his movies? Like what the fuck? The plot of the movie is basically the year that Sean Payton was suspended for the uh the uh the, what do you call it? The scandal where he was like putting bounties on the bounty gate. It's basically he coaches his kids' football team, and it's like a bunch of zany antics that, that go on. But the I, I'm shocked that they're doing this because like he got suspended because he was paying players to hurt other players. Like that was the whole thing. Was like that they were saying kind like, of the villain in that to go story. On. He's a fucking villain. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're going to no make a feel good movie. You're going to make a feel good movie about like, Hey, he's suspended for basically trying to like murder other players. Like what? The fuck? Greg Williams is telling people to break people's legs and shit. And Sean Payton's like, yeah, what he said. Yeah. Yeah. It's called home team, by the way. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, wow. it looks horrific. Listen, okay, I am not, not, not a director. I don't think I could direct. Uh, okay, have you guys heard Hubie Halloween? Uh, you've seen the movie Hubie Halloween? Oh, it was God. a I've never seen it, but I've seen the trailer. Yeah, it's a it's a massive piece of shit. Is this just another one of those fucking stupid yeah. that Daniel was making because yeah. no one's gonna take him serious and he's still gonna make a shitload of money? Is that what this yeah. is like? And and by the way, uh, one quick point, and I'll let Tom, I'll let you, I'll let you go. Um, his wife in the movie is played by Jackie Sandler, Adam Sandler's wife. Naturally. Yeah. I I really don't have much to add on this. I I didn't understand why there was an actual market for this movie. I didn't think a lot of people were like, you know what we need? We need to know what Sean Payton was up to when he was suspended by the NFL. But make it funny. Like, no one was asking for that. It's going to be all the people that Adam Sandler is like, hey, man, you haven't worked in like five years. You want to make like a quick 80 grand and do something dumb? I don't know. It's just I, I, I thought I thought it was a when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is a joke. And I'm like, oh, this is this. This is like a funnier die skit or something. And it kept going. And I'm like, all right, when is this all of a sudden going to become like a like, OK, ha ha ha. And then all of a sudden, Rob Schneider showed up, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's actually a fucking movie. Oh, my God. And then um, 
like Kevin James's cousin or brothers in it and also like a couple other people and I'm like this is actually a legit movie that's gonna be on Netflix and I'm gonna watch it because I have to um, I'm compelled to I don't I'm not gonna enjoy it it's gonna be kind of like back in the day when we used to like like watch Jack and Jill to like see how long we can make it before we had to turn it off because like <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing so um but yeah so veering back to Sean Payton um I think he's gonna end up just being a commentator I don't I don't I think that's where he's gonna go hmm. Gato what do you think what he's gonna be doing I, I, I yeah. frankly don't care what the fuck Sean Payton's going to be doing. I got to be honest, man. I mean, he had a good run as a coach. He had Sean Payton's. Like, I will say he never been on my list. He's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But I will say he's he's leaving at an opportune time because the Saints are like seventy million dollars over the cap right now with no quarterback. And they, with no quarterback and no prospects to get a quarterback either. So he's just like, yeah, I'm out of here. What you doing, Bobby? Oh, Lord, that, that, that's some heavy-duty heavy, heavy duty armpit saturation. Red 18! Red 18! Needle dick! Needle dick! Needle dick! Yeah! Your name is Needle Dick. I knew that this was a good idea. Go ahead, go ahead, explain to me, Gabby. So, what, what an NFT really is, is that they've taken the tokenization of an asset, right? And they've made it a basically it's like a one-off that it's like a crypto coin for one thing. It's one crypto coin and nothing else will be like it. Not if nothing else will be as unique as this. Um, there could be a copy of it, but it wouldn't be the same as this one. So it doesn't have that inherent value, right? It's like, it is essentially like the digital version of buying and selling art, right? And that's why people are willing to pay all this fucking money for it. Um, again, it just sounds like some sort of weird tax evasive way of, you know, moving illegal funds through cryptocurrency, but that's what it is. And honestly, it's going to be here to stay. I, I, I am the same with you. I don't understand the actual value of the item. Like Intrinsically, do I get joy out of a, you know, an ape smoking a cigarette as an image? No. Um, but it's the only one with that specific blockchain and that's why that is so i guess that's what that's what gets the crypto bros just so fucking and hot for it but i think the difference is though like if you were to buy a piece of art or you were to buy like a classic car or a one-of-a-kind book or something like that you can actually hold it in your hands and it's a physical thing Versus an NFT, which is something that you can't hold and you can't share with people in a way that makes it feel like it's a va it's it's valuable. And I think that's the difference between the folks that have so much money they don't know what to do with it that now they're like, I bought this four hundred thousand dollar picture of like somebody barfing in a toilet. Um, versus the person who's like, yeah, I bought this Picasso and it's you know, there's only three of them in the world. Like that shit's on my wall. The other thing's on my phone, which is like 5% away from you not being able to see it because I don't charge my phone. 
Yeah, it's about functionality, right? Because I understand, like, there's a truly deranged clip online of, of Paris Hilton on Jimmy Fallon. They're talking about their NFTs, and it's like, it, it's if you had showed me this clip in 2015, my brain would have exploded because I wonder what the fuck is this shit. I don't understand the functionality of it. I understand, okay, it's like a piece of art, right? I, I get all that. What do you get out of owning an ape? You spend $400,000 on a picture of an ape. What does it do for you? Okay, it's unique. So are my so are my fingerprints. My fingerprints are unique too, but I don't make money. I can't make money off of those. What what is the benefit? What does that ape do for you? What it, what is it? What does it provide you in any any way that like you're gonna resell it for a higher price? Is that what it is? And the value of that only comes down to other folks buying similar apes too, right? Right. Like right. you have to hope that because. I watched Formula One racing and they had NFTs of drivers' cars. And you have to hope that somebody likes the AlphaTauri Honda that Yuki Sonoda drove enough so it would make this thing actually viable to buy and sell. Sounds like money laundering. Okay, to play devil's advocate on that, you're talking about F uh, Formula One, right? You're talking about NFTs of, let's say, a, a driver in, in this one car. Let's say that he does something insane in that car. This picture now becomes worth more because it's generating a rare moment. And then it's a, a rare item of that rare moment, right? That's the same as like the NFTs with the new sports, like the sports cards, the, the sports NFTs in general, right? That these can be like play clips or, or that, that moment in that play. And it's worth significant amount. And you own it now. You've... You've basically put a, a stamp on that digitally that, that you owned it. You were in the... That's the other thing is that there's a ledger to who owns an NFT, right? Because it's unique and distinct. When it passes hands through certain people, it also can generate value too, right? I think that's why you also hear all these celebrities getting in on it because somebody's telling them like, yeah, you own this and then we sell it to the next chump who wants to pay a premium. Chimp. You owned it. Yeah. It's a chimp. <laughs> So it's almost like it's an extension of that person. Like, oh, I, I bought this off Jimmy Fallon. So it's like I go on Jimmy Fallon's ape. Like, is that what it is? Like, it's it's basically it, like, it's, like, star fucking. It's basically. multi. It's, it's multifaceted. There, yeah. There's that. There's that appeal. It's which is also again, think of it like art. I mean, I can't really tell you why people pay millions of dollars for pieces of art, but they do. So yeah, the question, yeah, yeah. Well, the question I have is one, when is the second mouse podcast creating its NFT? And two, would Today. we be able to create a Harvey Specter quote that has a scene from a film that is reflective of that quote, similar to what we were sharing from <laughs> casino. <laughs> <laughs> How do we create an NFT and how do we sell it, right? Like, how do we create an NFT of Harvey Specter saying, fuck you, win the case, or some dumb shit like that? And it's like somebody, like, pumping gas. <laughs> and then how do we make that profitable? Can we say that, like, like Francis Ford Coppola, like, blew his nose and wiped the snot on it or something? <laughs> Tony Douglas, former Knicks point guard, looked at this and said, oh. I don't <laughs> Tony Douglas. Oh my God. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's create our own NFT then, because honestly, like 
fuck it. I, 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 that makes more sense, at least. Like, the way you explained it makes more sense than any any other person. It's still stupid to me, but, like, if we can profit off it, I'm... A thousand percent. So, yeah. so I think I've learned my lesson at this point. I was sitting in a class with this 19-year-old dude who wore a kilt to class every day. Granted, I don't think he's ever left the, the county that he lived in. He was going on and on about fucking Bitcoin and how it would be worth tons of money one day. And I said, yeah, sure, whatever you fucking say, kid. Go back to whatever the fuck you were doing before this. I'm eating fucking crow every day. That dude bought them when they were fucking pennies. You know what I mean? He's... He's now fucking. He's, he's jetting around. He's jetting around the world in a fucking kilt right now. You or know what he I mean? could not be because the volatility of like blockchain markets is all over the place. Like people who put in money into cryptocurrency over the last couple of weeks, they've taken like a kick in the mouth in the last like four, excuse me, four or five days. But that's more of a summary on um, what the Fed's been talking about lately. So they've been, oh, we might adjust. We're going to adjust the, the, the rates um, probably like four times this year. And we're not sure how we're going to adjust them. We just know we will. And so everything for the last few, two days has been a fucking sell-off. And, and things like that do affect, you know, the volatility of coins. Sometimes it's for the best or for the better for the coin. Um it's all gambling, basically. Yeah, it's legal. Gambling. It's legal and yeah. okay gambling. But the NFL also gambles down too, you, which is you, shocking. You got to think about it, though. We're at a point, and you know, Walmart is now talking about getting into cryptocurrency, right? Whether creating their own coin or doing something like that, it, or just even accepting it. It's a big, big step forward. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Like we're rip on the metaverse. I bet at some point too these are things that we can't be behind on anybody listening to this we might make fun of it because it's stupid and absurd but the reality is like it's gonna be the thing that everyone's fucking using whether they like it or not like it's coming man. nope nope i think it went really mainstream when eric swagger adams um, <laughs> took his first paycheck in bitcoin and i bet he's trying <laughs> to get like ice melt or something like that at this point but I, I agree with you. I think they're we make fun of this shit all the time, and rightfully so. It really does sound fucking stupid, but there are people that are making a killing off of it every day. And people made fun of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and before you know it, they've turned into basically like money cash-making industries. By the way, for all those listening out there, please follow us on Instagram at Second Mouse Podcast, also on YouTube as well. We stream on all those platforms, all the major platforms. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a review. Um, again, that's Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram. But I know that we were talking about NFTs and we've kind of sidetracked a little bit. But I want to get back on track to some of the real issues that are going on in this country. Some of the major issues and ones that are really going to impact your life. And those issues are desexifying M&Ms. It's the ultimate crime on Fox News. They're so sexy. I'm, oh I'm, my god! I, I refuse to live in a world where I do not want to fuck one of the M and M's. Just it I, melts in your mouth. It's a lot better in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I have a conspiracy. I mean, I'd rather take an M and M in the mouth than in the eye. Let me just say that. Okay, that's fair. I have a conspiracy theory. 
And I think, it's, I think it's actually true. I am convinced at this point that these brands, so the Mars company who owns M&Ms, sat in a room and are like, it's January. Like, no one cares about M&Ms right now. How can we get people talking about M&Ms right now? I know. We're going to, like, make the fucking M&M less sexy. Because they knew that that's going to piss off somebody at Fox News, which then will warn a response from people at CNN and MSNBC. And now here we are talking about fucking M&Ms and the logos being less sexy. Wait, are we talking about fucking M&Ms or are we talking about fucking M&Ms? <laughs> fucking M&Ms. Honestly, the noun I, or the verb. Or yeah, where was the comma? I think the, I, my, my conspiracy theory is that these brands are just like basically just they know how to trigger – a response from national media and give themselves free advertising. That's it's all they're doing. Oh, all these things you see, all these things you see are just some kind of ploy to get free marketing. So for those who have not been floating around Fox News at Planet Fitness, um, <laughs> the Mars company has chosen to remove some of the some of the features to their female presenting M&M's characters and naturally Tucker Carlson was upset because he is no longer able to have his S&M and M addiction where he doesn't have sexualized M&M's and he went on this long rant that um, like the woke left is ruining candy like you can't still get diabetes from a fucking fast break candy bar all that to be said like guys is this a big deal is this not a big deal what do we make of this is this just it's January and everyone's still trust trying to like get out of the holidays and we have not gotten to Valentine's Day yet. What's the deal? Can we all take a moment to say this is kind of a good sign? I mean, if you think about the news cycles of January in, two, in 2020, 2021, this is far better than hearing about fucking coronavirus. It's far better than hearing about Kobe Bryant's plane, you know, helicopter crashing, which was another thing that happened God, you know, that early happened in January. Too. You know, like, these are the terrible things we started those years with. The fact that we have, like, a news cycle that's dominated right now with things like Eminem's not being sexy or being sexy is... <laughs> it's, it's a sweet treat, honestly. It really is, man. You know, it's, it's this, this nice. Is, this is the quote, ready? Eminem's will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. That's the goal. Okay, first what? and foremost, what? like, did, where did Tucker Carlson go to college? I feel like he went to some snooty Ooh. highfalutin institution. And I would hope that the education that his parents paid for, or that was a scholarship, was a little bit more robust than bitching and moaning about what confectionery item that's in his fucking closet would taste good. I want to say that when he was going to high school or something, his like health teacher talked about all the tough topics using analogy. And so candy was often the fucking replacement for fucking other terms that were being talked about or the birds and the bees was just like the M and M's and the, the honor fingers. The almond joys love the butter fingers. <laughs> And Tucker's just fucking triggered by all that shit. <laughs> Q, I know you got something on your mind, but I wanted to say this first. Like, are they, we are really scraping the barrel at 
fucking Fox News to find something to talk about. Like when this is the Friday night segment, the only thing to be upset about is the fact that the the female presenting Eminem's character is no longer wearing like high boots. That's the best we got. It really does feel like I'm in Don't Look Up because like we're like, I'm like, hey, the planet, you know, the temperatures, like we're heating up and it's like, hey, Eminem's are less sexy now. What the fuck? Mr. Potato Head, more like Potato Head now. And it's like, like who fucking cares? Yeah, I don't. I'm not at half chub anymore when I'm walking through like the the Eminem's peanut aisle anymore. <laughs> I mean, you're you're 100 right though. I mean, you talk about scraping the bottom of the barrel. It's just like I I can't tell if they actually care about these things or they just think that their constituents care about it. I just I can't really tell at this point. But like, there's so many other things that are going on right now. Like, we are actually in a very World War One esque situation with. Russia and the Ukraine and NATO that's going on in Eastern Europe right now. It, it very much has a lot of the same tensions, a lot of the same pull strings that war in 1914 had. COVID is still an issue, but all indications are showing that Omicron is not nearly as volatile as the others were. And numbers are going down in major cities. Great thing, right? We should be applauding that. There are certainly other things to talk about other than like which fucking Eminem's character you want to find on Tinder. I mean, it's the green, it's the, it's the green one, right? It's always the green one, right? I mean, you never know. Like, let's go. Come on. <laughs> Tom, Tom, you meet what, that green, you meet that green Eminem in the bar, and she buys you a drink. You saying no? It's with the the boots with the fur at this point. <laughs> A little bit more information about Fox News. Um, the Fox News fail son, Peter Ducey, got called the stupid son of a bitch by our president, Joe Biden. Thanks for coming, Joe. Oh, man. Joe, man, he's been in the news a lot more than I expected him to be this this week. And, you know, there was the, the comments he made about the Russia situation where he's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Like, very ambiguous about it. And then he had to double down. I think he doubled down about it today. Addressed the state, and he's like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be done, but we could go all night. How about uh, another 20 minutes? I'm gonna... Yeah, that reminds me very much of that scene from The West Wing where um, the Republican candidate in the last season, played by Alan Alda, is standing outside of, like, a nuclear, um, a nuclear power plant that melted down, and he's like... I'm just going to let them ask all of the questions they have, and I'm going to answer them until everyone's exhausted and they have nothing else to talk about. When in reality, it's like, that's not a great idea because that means you just have all this time in the world on your hands. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to break from you guys. And I love when he called him a dumb son of a bitch, stupid son of a bitch. Honestly, if Joe Biden wants to win re-election, he's got to go full nuclear, like what's happening, Jack, Joe Biden. Yeah, is, is, he running again? is he running again? I mean, he's he said as much that he's going to. I I'm assuming at this point that most likely the Democrats are going to try and convince him not to, and are most likely going to try and make up probably something about his health to to get him not to. But the problem is there is no other good options. I mean, you know, I, I, the only person that I could see winning in 2024 is Michelle Obama. That's about it. Any like Buddha judge or whatever the hell his name is, he will get smoked. Um, Kamala Harris raising. She's her got a lower profile. approval rating than he does. Jesus. And ultimately, though, like she is the she is the biggest victim in all this because she has to be the like 
the mouthpiece for a lot of these failed policies. And it's unfortunate for her because I think that under the right circumstances, she could be a really good leader. But I think she's probably destined for the Senate moving forward. Like she's got she's got that procedural approach that I think with presidents, it's just harder to do. And maybe this country is not as forward thinking as we thought it was. Um, I have to think that a lot of the criticism on her is because of her race and her gender. If the, if she hasn't done anything that like really constitutes some shittiness. Like, fuck, Mike Pence was like the walking wet sponge for the last four years. And somehow people are like, you know, this guy that like doesn't like tries to ban gay people and shit like that. Like he's not a bad dude. Well, the reason he was he was liked was because did what Trump needed him to or said what Trump needed to until he didn't anymore. Right. Because that's when he had his fucking drop off. He validated Trump for a yeah. lot of markets. Yeah. And and if you had a question, you would ask the next presidential candidate. What would it be? What are your thoughts on the green m and <laughs> That was my question, actually. I was going to say, what, what's your sexiest, what's the sexiest candy? <laughs> if you could take any of the M&Ms on a date, which one would it be? <laughs> <laughs> would Would you rather have a bowl of one color of M&Ms, or would you like to have a bowl of all the colors of M&Ms? Do you find it coincidental that ever since the M&M controversy has come out, they have now created a mixed bag of M&Ms? So, like, traditional chocolate, Rice Krispie, or whatever the fuck it is, and peanut butter. Nothing I feel like that's going to be... Uh, nothing shocks me anymore. It's going to be a death sentence to uh, people that are allergic to peanuts for sure. Regardless, <laughs> any Christmas party I go to that's going to have M&Ms there, I'm going to get my dirty ass hands in there and eat them all. <laughs> you know, it's it's what really the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to start like making out with the bowl like, oh yeah. I wonder how many bowls of M&Ms have been responsible for COVID cases. You know what? That's the risk I'm willing to take for M&Ms. Like, I remember for Christmas, my, my grandparents would always have M&Ms out, and they'd leave them by the TV. It's the worst fucking combination of things you could ever have in oh, your life. yeah. Like, it's oh, a fantastic yeah. combination, but, man, you could just, like, handful. And you got, like, the dad shake going on, too. Like, someone's talking about their job. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just popping them the whole time. And before you know it, you're like... Your hands are starting to shake. You're feeling real lightheaded. And you're like, oh, man, why do I not feel so good? Oh, that two-pound bag of fucking red and green M&Ms is gone. Because <laughs> you mixed up the bowls with the club drugs. And that was really fucking... You were just popping Molly's like M&Ms, my friend. How great would it be, though, if, if M&Ms had... MD <laughs> How great would it be if you could get, like, MDMA... M&M's. That would be like amazing. Oh, what would that character MDMMs? Like? I, I don't know. <laughs> that character would just be like, would have like a, like a full beard and just like bloodshot eyes and like has a suck in like five weeks. <laughs> just, yeah. It would just be the shades on. I'm going to pull us back for a minute because um, it's the my only M&M that talks to you about NFTs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it has, has, has the cocaine drip going like, like constantly like, I don't know why these M&Ms they're slick. I don't get it. Like, and it's like a, there's a texture to them and they're all hot. They're all very warm. I don't get it. Oh yeah. You, you put them under <laughs> your eyelid. Oh my god. You dissolve them into a dropper bottle. 
<laughs> there's like a little five-year-old kid with just like a shit ton of M&M's eyeballs. Like, yo, these are the best M&M's I've ever had, but they're not sexualized M&M's though. No. Listen, if you if you walk into a bar bathroom and you accidentally walk in in a stall and some guy's crushing up an M&M, you staying or you leaving? I'm definitely like pulling the the fold out chair that's in the closet of the bathroom. Be like, yo, man, <laughs> let's do this. You keep yours there too, right? You keep your chairs there too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the Sackler family is just like, fuck, we missed out. <laughs> I think M and M's are gonna come out with the Burning Man edition M M&M. and M. Is that just Skittles? Yeah. It could be. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's sour Skittles. <laughs> I was. I unfortunately had to hear um, Fox News the other day because uh, I was listening. Uh, I don't know why, but like they were pretty much like saying that like Skittles are the last anti woke candy. And I was like, because they allow their colors to be together, and I'm like, I'm really hoping that Skittles just comes out tomorrow, and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna make them all one color in unity. I don't know if it's like your conspiracy theory. I don't know if they're in cahoots with the candy yeah, companies on this, or they're just like trying to double down to make Americans more fat by talking about candy. I, I can't yeah. tell what it is. It's a I deep fake conspiracy by Big Candy. Yeah. It, yeah. My, my, well, my conspiracy, my conspiracy is that it is almost like coordinated that like, yes, you're going to do something that's controversial to make us talk about it. And we will give you hours upon hours of free advertising. I'm I'm very sure Michael Moore is already working on a documentary about this. Big candy. Taking down big candy. Honestly. One, one minute at a time. I would think that Skittles are like the stoner the candy. Because if you think about it, like, what are you grabbing in the store? What are you What are you grabbing in the fast track or the Seven Eleven when your eyes are bloodshot at two a.m.? Have you ever seen the band like Skittles commercials and shit? God. Look it up. It's a yeah. Oh my god. We'll link it everyone. in bio. Oh guys, guys. Apparently, I've already missed the boat on this because apparently. Skittles um, came out with all white Skittles not that long ago, and I think they meant it as a unity thing, but I think it could be interpreted as a white pride Skittle. Yeah, I could imagine David Duke in his candy jar in the like Stormfront office is like, yeah, you want some Skittles? <laughs> <laughs> Only eat Skittles now. <laughs> all these other candies are too woke for me. That and the the, the 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 fucking stick that you get in like the the powdered candy. <laughs> you can only have the chalk candy. <laughs> I li- I like candy, but I don't like it when it's woke. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, it's incredible. Q, I knew that you had a thought that you wanted to include before we went completely off the rails and into like the the sour skittle powder at the bottom of the bag. But what are your what did you well, want to talk about? We were talking about Joe Biden. And yeah. honestly, I had the opposite reaction of Gatto in that I love when Joe Biden turns into like what's happening, Jack, Joe Biden. And he just goes off the rail and starts cursing at people because honestly, that's the only thing that's going to like make him more likable. There's nothing he's doing legislate, you know, in, in the legislator uh, that is doing anything to make me happy. But when he tells when he calls Peter Ducey a dumb son of a bitch, it's hilarious. And it's actually, I think it's actually kind of endearing 
to him that like he's like because we're all saying it right like when i hear fucking peter or steve Ducey talk i'm like what a dumb son of a bitch and to hear him say the same thing it's like it's the it's basically the trump effect at this point that like politics has become wwe wrestling embrace it deal with it at this point and it's the only way you're gonna win i get i get that point i get that sentiment but how many people are taking away when he does that as that because he just doesn't pull it off well it comes out weird because he's a guy who still plays to that you know higher that better nature that's how you lose you gotta you yeah sure but you gotta these are also the same people that like yes the median voting age is like significantly higher than probably what it should be but these are also the same people that are throwing shit at like store employees because they have to wear a mask and like throwing expletives at them but they're also like going on Facebook and putting like live, laugh, love and bless this mess and shit. It's just a very interesting dynamic where you could be losing your fucking totally. mind in the frozen totally food section because there's a 16 year old kid who's honestly just trying to like make enough money to buy the next embarrassing Call of Duty game. It's like, man, could you just put like, sir, could you just put your mask on? Like, I just do this like after high school and you're like losing your fucking brains over it, throwing frozen peas at them. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're quoting scripture every, like, Sunday morning. America's just this weird, like, I'm going to act like a lunatic either in person or on the internet, but then be a saint in other places. So, yeah. I heard a weird a weird one, and uh, this is, that was brought up, it was a topic, it was called... Uh, we can look it in the bio. Yeah, um, it, they, they, they were talking about a conversation about toxic positivity. Oh and God, yeah, man! How America kind of suffers from this historical context of like tomorrow might bring a better something, and we've kind of conditioned ourselves to always be expecting better or thinking that there's more of an upside or something to come, and we've become we've gotten to the point where things got so fucking good that we're not able to see or differentiate when things get slightly better because they've gotten so fucking good that we're just like it's more of the same or it's a little worse than yesterday and this fucking sucks and we start losing our fucking mind because the american way has kind of conditioned us to have that toxic positive view on life and and that's why you also see a lot of the tone deaf stuff going on well, no, you you bring up a good point, and um, I don't remember which don't remember which Malcolm Gladwell book it was in, but he talked about the differences between like Western and Eastern cultures and how religion plays a factor in it. Where he had two examples, one of which was a Russian farmer, and the other one was either a Chinese or Vietnamese farmer, and the Russian farmer would pray for good weather, good season, good crops. And the the opposite would work to make sure that they had good crops, good, um, good soil, things like that. And I think what you're alluding to, Gatto, is this assumption that there is a third party entity out there for Americans that are gonna make our lives better, just as if we have a good attitude about it. Like, Ultimately, though, the, our situation doesn't change because, like, divine intervention is like, Anthony, you've been speeding, but I'm going to help you with that. 
I'm going to remove these parking tickets from the system for you. Or you could just slow the fuck down. Like, there's there's this like, shifting of blame or responsibility for things that don't happen correctly in this country versus in other places where it's like, I actually have to work to get this done. And I'm wondering if it has a lot to do with just, like, our values structure and the way that we perceive good things versus, like, putting the effort in. Am I off base on that? No, not at all. I think you're very on on point with that and yeah you actually tied in the point i was i was making and i think that there's a certain point though where we start believing that these good things or these our lives are going to be great you know from this positive thinking but we're really just lying to ourselves a bit and and that lie when it gets revealed to us that it's just our positive way and don't get me wrong you know, and you can hear the the podcast. By the way, it was it's called uh, No Stupid Questions. Um, nice. It's a really good podcast. You know, positive a positive attitude is is good for brings more opportunities. There's studies that's proven as the positive psychology is very helpful and effective. Um, how you deal yeah. with the negative when when that positive when that there's a breakdown in that positive psychology is very important and that's why i think we see all these people becoming like they say these crazy things or they act very tone deaf because it's a break from that and they don't know how to handle the break do they also talk about like cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that where not, it's it's really like investigating like what your thought process is with a lot of stuff not so much in that, I think there was a brief discussion on it, but it was mostly about, you know, um, positive psychology and that theory, a thought or something, how you have to kind of take a step back and then wonder why you had that thought, what triggered that thought, what the consequence of that action was. Like that stuff, is that what you're trying to talk about? or A lot of the, the CBT stuff is focused primarily on making sure that your mindset is correct and understanding where your thoughts are coming from and really diagnosing those. Um, I just I actually just finished a book. It was called The Talent Code by, Dan, by Daniel Coyle. Um, and the book itself talks about the ways in which people improve and there's a bunch of components and they talk about like the biological components where how you learn a new skill comes from deep practice but also coaching and like the time that you're putting into things and i want to go back to your earlier point where we have gotten so accustomed to things being easy in this country that for the most part people are not willing to put in the deep practice the deep practice that you need to, to 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 do in order to be successful, but also there's the coaching side of things too, where you're not hearing the right messages that really drive your ignition or your motivation in order to be successful. And that's why, you know, you look at a lot of the intrinsic motivation around like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like New Year's Eve resolutions and stuff like that as well, where a lot of them are like extrinsically motivated and, you don't have practice and you don't have the discipline to continue those because you're hoping that all I have to do is put in a week of this and I'll see outcomes immediately when in reality it takes much, much longer to do that because your brain and your body has to learn those things and has to learn that discipline. 
is is that also like i mean i i don't know if you guys seen you know uh, i think i shared it in in our group chat that about john stockton the hall of fame point guard for the utah jazz yeah. he had his uh season tickets to gonzaga where he went to college revoked because he refused to wear a mask i think would you would you agree that like wearing a mask is kind of in that same vein of like even if you don't necessarily believe that it actually helps anything the refusal to do anything that breaks from your normative way of life is like triggering them in a way that's like causing that insane reaction. The idea it's not going to affect me is also something that little impact to me personally. And so therefore I'm not worried about this kind of mentality. This is somebody else's problem. That's a big contributor to it. You know, we forget that we're all in this together. And if we're not all working together towards certain things, then the quality of life is degraded. Yeah, I think this country generally struggles with, unless it's in times of true crisis, we struggle very much with doing things for the greater good. War efforts and even early onset COVID are things that show like we're willing to do things and make sacrifices for ourselves but ultimately there needs to be a deadline or there needs to be an end date or else we're going to start to complain about that shit. and i i think john stockton is a good example of what happens when you let somebody of that age on the internet with no guardrails and nobody is there to check them but i think there is a difference between like me wearing a mask into a restaurant and taking it off as soon as I sit down, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. But when I go to like the Wake Forest Syracuse game and there's 7,000 people in this confined space, I'm going to wear my mask because that makes sense. Like me, me walking in, taking it off, like COVID doesn't sit in like the six foot component of air. It sits everywhere. Um, it's, it sits in it, bowls of, of M&M's. Yes. <laughs> At my grandma's house. Um, <laughs> is she living what, in Wuhan? <laughs> she's not. No, she's living in Baldensville, New York. <laughs> um, but all that to be said, like, I think there, there are levels to things and there's levels of sacrifice that have to happen. But with sacrifice also means that you need to be disciplined. And I think discipline is something that we miss because we're expecting results immediately. Well, it, it seems there's also a trend of breaking the rules gets you where you want. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And that's become a new cultural norm. And it's seen at most of the highest levels of, you know, whatever it is. I mean, whether we're talking about in government or, you know, the rich and famous, they, it seems like they get a pass with bad behavior and it's perfectly acceptable a lot of times. Gato, you, yeah. were, you were talking about it last week and you, you, uh, in, in our lost episode, um, <laughs> you, your, your asshole of the week. Can we NFT boring. that by the way? We should. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, uh, 100%. Yeah, your your asshole of the week was Boris Johnson, who was breaking COVID protocol to have his uh, his parties, his bring your, bring your own alcohol parties. Well, at least he followed like risk management guidelines with that. The, the funny thing about bringing up asshole of the week was that I was going to bring him back up. We got two timer on our hands. Yeah, we got. I got a two timer here. You know what? I'm just gonna break in here and I'm gonna start with with asshole of the week because I got so many fucking assholes. I have a literal legion of assholes this week just teeming with them. Um, and yeah, I originally, I was going to take everyone on a little trip across the pond. 
and we were going to talk about that life-size troll doll that, air quotation, loves <laughs> crates of high-end Yanti. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I did not think, I did not even put that together until, like, today, until you said it. Like, he looks like a fucking troll doll. Holy shit. Yeah, it's bad. And... You know, this fucker, he glugs down crates of high-end Chianti uh, just to fit in with the fucking royals and writes shitty satire about political issues he's inept to fix. You know, Boris Johnson here. I mean, he, more than a troll doll, he looks like a less barnacled version of Bootstrap Bill from the Pirates of Caribbean. Damn, son. That's <laughs> flamed. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a hypocritical goon. You know, he was well aware of the administration for breaking its fucking COVID, its own COVID protocols, you know, regarding social gatherings. And uh, he knowingly allowed a party for his administration to go on as the queen had to sit alone at her own husband's fucking funeral. It's nuts. Yep. Nuts. And I mean, here she is. She's providing an example, you know, and... The royals are usually the exception to an example in the UK for a lot of things. Calls for his res- resignation have intensified since, and they keep going. I think he needs to fucking step down, man. He's he's had enough fucking time pandering with this with this Brexit. It's not working out. They're just fucking everything up over there. They can't get a control over fucking COVID over there. It's a mess, man, and he's not a good leader for it. They're they're asking to treat it like the flu now, right? He's trying to release all of like their COVID restrictions in the UK. I just find it interesting that they're trying to do that while at the same time he's getting all this heat for these like keggers that he was throwing at his house. Yeah, I mean he's he's trying to shift that story to it's endemic and a lot of people were saying that this was also something that they deliberately leaked or created a new story, a new cycle for, because they were working on a policing bill um, to essentially increase what the police can do in, in terms of protests or at protests. He's just one he's just one of the assholes of this week for me. Legion. It's a deep bench. Legion of assholes. Yeah, he's part of the Legion of Assholes this week. And then next on my shit list is a shadow government that is neither in the shadows or a government. And honestly shouldn't even fucking exist, the NCAA. Just because released a generic statement basically saying, effective immediately, we will maintain our old policy. And they did it in in a much nicer version than what I just said. But that's exactly what they fucking did. And... That policy is letting each sports national, then international, then Olympic committee call the shots in how they're going to be enforcing to handle transgender athletes. And to me, all that ends up being is a bunch of cheap talk and empty words. It's basically their way of saying, like, thoughts and prayers um regarding their support of transgender athletes and this is i mean this is already like a organization that to me does nothing but make things worse (laughs) they just get in the way and they're actually they're because of the testing protocols and stuff they're going to slow things down significantly because it's going to be the beginning of the season end of the season they're going to have to do tests for testosterone levels and stuff and then 
I think it's six weeks or four weeks before national qualifying events or, or um, championships. So they're about to take on things that they're not even aware they're going to be taking on by just trying to stick with their old way of saying, hey, we don't want to make a call on this. And that's like basically being a very wet, whimpery asshole to me. And that's why they're they're my second asshole of the week. Yeah, there's more. <laughs> there is more because they don't even get the gold. They're they're just the silver medal assholes. I mean, in spirit in spirit of the Olympics, you're doing you're doing a bronze, silver, and, and gold. Well, the reason I say that is because you know they are trying to push it on the Olympic Committee, which is also it's funny. They're essentially trying to align themselves with the Olympic Committee standards on things. The bastion of good decision making. Yeah, it was it was like that was their actual agenda in all of this, you know? And that's just a shit show that but it's still only silver medal in compared to who gets the gold. And the gold goes to the Florida legislature and its state education committee that pushed forward with a bill aimed at barring public education um, or businesses from creating discomfort based on race sex or nationality and the snowflakes of the sunshine state who wrote this bill uncoincidentally named it individual freedom and it's essentially a gag order on critical race theory and critical race theory is not specifically named in the bill but it's used in the analysis that goes alongside it and that's probably because they didn't want to discomfort the senators that would read the bill so talking about historical discrimination is soon to be discrimination in Florida. <laughs> you gotta you gotta hand it to DeSantis. He is he is really like proving to be like an evil emperor, like the the the, the big bad of of the United States. Like I I I am honestly shocked at how like Tone deaf, it really is, though. I mean, going with everything going on, it's a big swing-your-dick bold move. It doesn't shock me, though, that the party of individual liberties and, like, being able to say what you want and First Amendment rights is, and less government is so focused on more government regulation around freedom of speech, essentially eliminating major components of American history. Like, there's clapping going on somewhere. It, it just... Like, it, it does not shock me that this is the party that says that they're the party of Lincoln, while at the same time you can't actually talk about the shit that Lincoln tried to do. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Didn't Lincoln shut down Confederate newspapers? He also nationalized the railroad, too. That's big gov shit right there. Yep, that's big, big gov shit. Made the yeah. post office that they want to kill. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's pretty ridiculous, and and it goes to show that like I mean, and I'm telling you, DeSantis is the one to beat in 2024. I think Trump's 100%, done. Yeah, yeah, Trump Trump is pretty much done at this point. The vaccine stuff is only further pushing him down the the pecking order, but I think DeSantis has got him in 2024. And honestly, unless the Democrats wield any type of like worthy opponent, he's gonna he's gonna clear in 2024 easily. You you think he's got enough pull to get? What is it? What's what, what? What's the winning number in America? Ninety million votes. It's too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like 80, 80 Well, I think Biden had like eighty-one, eighty-one million. So I think it's it's not even that. I mean, because again, 
Republicans have never needed the popular vote to win the election. I mean, never. I mean, when's the last the last time the Republicans won, which was the popular vote, which was two thousand four, and that was just because of how hyper nationalistic we all were after nine eleven. You know, so um, they they he, all he needs to do is just shave off enough votes in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and that'll be it. It's a big enough state too in Florida that he can carry pretty much every connecting state down there too. He's got to actually get out on the campaign trail. And that's what I want to see because I don't know how he's going to do elsewhere in in the rest of the country. He might do really good in Florida. I don't know if he's going to be doing that good elsewhere, man. I would not be shocked, though, if he was a guy who waited and saw who was in the field and then came out late and just was able to counter argument everybody. He could just sit there and, you know, talk shit about Ted Cruz's wife and he would be in instantly. That's that's all he's got. Ted Cruz will run again and just carry somebody's fucking luggage. Uh, Jim Jordan will go up on the stage and ask everyone where he left his jacket. Lindsey Graham will go up there and lose a fucking again. Rob Portman will go up there and be like, I was the guy that like wanted to be above it all. Like, nah, you, <laughs> you're a fucking nobody. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure Chris Christie will be like, I, I was told there's like a Cracker Barrel cater <laughs> sure. I, I was told Chick-fil-A had stopped by. No, no. Okay. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go next guys. Cause I had one that really made me angry. And, uh, there's a district judge in Michigan named Alex G. Crot. K-R-O-T. She had to recently apologize um, because she, in a in a case, a 72-year-old cancer patient was shamed during a hearing for their hedges being untrimmed and their grass being unruly. Now, mind you, this is a 72-year-old person who is a cancer patient and was apologizing and basically saying, like, I don't have the ability to uh, take care of it because I'm very weak. Obviously, look, 72 years old is old enough. And then obviously, you know, going through cancer, I mean, is only going to make it worse. She went on a tirade about this person and basically said that she wishes she could put him in jail. Now, she recently apologized and she self-reported herself to the, the Judiciary Committee. So but- brave. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. She. I, she said she was quote, just saving no, somebody else to work. <laughs> I. I had no legal duty to report myself to the commission, but did so because, like, apologizing to community, it was the right thing to do. That's fine. But she also said, "quote If I could give you jail time on this, I would." You're talking about a 72-year-old cancer patient that I mean, again, speaks to the national discourse of that we don't have enough um, facilities and like services out there to ensure that this person can maybe get their fucking grass clipped for them because they're 72 and dealing with cancer. And then on top of that now has to go through a procedure where this judge is just embarrassing them. I mean, aside from the fact that like most likely whatever ended up happening, if there was a fine, most likely it's going to be struck down. But the fact is that that person had to be publicly embarrassed going through probably one of the the worst months of their life. And this person just like, no, I, I mean, again, fine, you apologize. But the fact that you said it in the first place shows me that you just have, you have no sympathy at all, no empathy at all. I remember hearing a little bit about this too. And wasn't it just like the son was 
on business or whatever, and he was out of the country, and he was doing some stuff, and so he wasn't able to help his father during that time. Like, it's even it's even sadder because it was like, no, they've been trying. This is like a one-off. Like It speaks to the attitude of this country, though, that you would think, like, we, we are already the, like, have the most people in prison per capita than any other country on earth you know you talk about freedom but you talk about how many prisoners we have and like the goal should always be to try and avoid jail especially if it's something like you know a non-violent drug offense or anything like that and then you have judges i don't know i don't know did she win this in like a cracker jack box or something like i don't i don't get it because to think that like oh my god the grass has grown over the property line so guess what i'm good i want oh, i wish i could send you gulag. to jail right now the yeah, send gulag. you to the send you to the gulag and it's just it's it's pathetic and i i again i think this person should be stripped of yeah you know, I, I don't think this person should be a judge because i again apologies being what they are fine that's great but at the same time, that that is really, really insane. And like, I, I, I can't ever trust that person's judgment ever again. If Which, you come back here, you're going to jail. Are you fucking kidding me? What What yep. strikes me about that is how casual the idea of sending to s someone to jail is to her. Two-year-old cancer patient. This is not the world I want to live in. How dare you not manicure your hedges to I jail with you? Shocked at this and i don't i don't use that term lightly but like this is the worst kind of political theater in the middle of fucking nowhere in michigan like who do you think that you are judge what's and your name i i am blown away by the level of insensitivity and just pure stupid fucking behavior by government officials, local, state, national, whatever. Like I'm reading the the story right now and this person should lose their fucking job. And that's, I, that's I really hope that happens. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's, it, again, it's, I understand like apologies, like that's fine, but like, how am I supposed to ever trust that person's judgment ever again? And oh, by the way, appointed by Governor Rick Snyder, big fucking shock there. I, you can't ever trust that this person is ever going to make a decision that's going to be in the best interest of the community and of that person. When you look at something that ultimately ended up being a hundred dollar fine, by the way, is gonna like I, if I if you if you come back here, I'm sending you to jail. It's it's funny because now if she ever rules on somebody else and it's a little harsh, they're they're going to go back to court to fight it, right? They're going to ask for another judge, and they're going to say, "Look, I had this lady. She's got a this on her record. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she should be out of the circuit court for this reason because any any case that she has in front of her from this point on, questioned twice. So what's the Can fucking I point of her existence anymore, anyhow? Can I say, though, it is not lost on me that the person that she publicly ridiculed is a person of color. Of and yes. bothered by the fact that this is her statement. I acted in temporarily. I'm very embarrassed that I did so. I apologize to the person who appeared before me and to our entire community. To the person that appeared before me? That's the most like indirect way to say you're sorry, other than I apologize to the people whom I may have offended. Like, fuck you, lady. Like, she, she picked those words deliberately because people would realize that she was talking about a person of color. And then she, they would start to question, was this racially charged, right? That's, I mean, that's why she apologized the way she did, to keep it as generic, to keep 
the details out because she knows she fucked up and it's much worse than even how she apologized. I don't know how you interpret it any other way like than that. Like I would venture a guess that she does not respond to the white population that has un, un, an unkempt lawn in the same fashion that she responded to this poor individual who is going through something that Unfortunately, a lot of Americans have experienced or know people who have experienced, and she publicly shames him. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. On Zoom, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was public forum, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, honestly, at this point, like, I know I know the Heritage Foundation probably just added her to the uh, docket for potential Supreme Court justices um, if the GOP takes over. But, uh, yeah, this person should be removed from any potential, um, any uh, from the job completely. I, I, again, you undermine public trust. And you, if you're a judge, we have to know that you are, like, really just enforcing the law. And you're and you're gonna be lenient in times that there there should be uh, empathy and in a situation like this, I mean, could have easily just said, let's you know, please try and get somebody to you know take care of the lawn as soon as possible, and just call it a day and like let's let's deal with bigger issues here. But the fact that she she went out of her way to not only like enforce the fine and then publicly embarrass this person, it's just I how could you ever trust that person ever again to do anything? Do you think, here's a question, do you think because she knew that the cameras were on, that this was a online public forum, that she was, like, Judge Judying it up for them, trying to make it more dramatic, maybe no. trying to get other people on her side to think she's, like, real tough on disorder, no. or she just, what do you, what do you think was, what's the I, epicenter I, of her overreaction? This guy didn't I rob think, a bank. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, this this isn't like this guy didn't go on a fucking murder spree or nothing, you know. Like, if she if she had doubled down, I would say that she was doing it as like a performance piece. But be, the fact that she apologized so quickly, it was clearly that she's just a bad person, and that's how she does things. And then all of a sudden, now that it got leaked, the fact that it got leaked and got sent to like CNN and you know WAPO and all those other forums now she's like oh shit I now I have to apologize because I fucked up do you think that she has like various quotes around her house that are from scripture like bless this mess and 110% yeah like I, I said, I said, love. she she definitely says in this house we support everybody and then just talk shit about everybody behind their back yeah and just has like John three sixteen like embossed on the wall. <laughs> God, I did, Tom. I did tell you she was appointed by Rick Snyder. That tells you everything. You, you did need to mention know. that, yes. Um, it tells you everything you need to know. Okay, so for me, I'm going to be honest. It's really hard to follow up the smorgasbord of people that Gatto has provided and the real shit human that you've provided for us, Q. So thanks, guys. No pressure. But I'm going to go back to the old-fashioned shittiest person in the world, Newt Gingrich. Um, a couple of days ago, he was on um, Fox News, our our favorite um, parking lot attendees, and he said that the committee members of the January 6th committee could potentially see jail time because of their involvement in the investigation. 
did not provide any specific information, did not provide any legal standing. He put it out there and their host, I think it was Maria Bartiromo, I don't remember how to say her name because she's she was famous when she was on CNBC and has walked away ever since. But I would have to say that one, Newt, Newt Gingrich is my asshole of the week for that statement. But also Fox News as a whole, because they did not check him on any of that information. They did not push back on it. Instead, Maria was like, wow, that's great analysis. Like, fuck you, lady. Like, you don't know what that is. Like, And I think that this is the problem that we have with media at large. And I don't want to let Newt get, a, get away with this because he's generally a horrible fucking human being who's allowed to say whatever he wants because he used to be the Speaker of the House and he was trash at that job. I think this is the problem with the media is that they're also looking for hot takes, but I will also be upset with all the other media outlets as well because I've noticed a trend over the last few years where they really just cover each other at this point. Fox News covers CNN, CNN covers Fox, Fox covers MSNBC, um, and vice versa. And they all are just taking hot takes on the other network's hot take and for me to let this pass through everything and there's been a couple of days since this has happened where this individual this former politician who spent a very long goddamn time investigating bill clinton for getting a blowy in the white house is saying that a congressionally appointed committee that's investigating a potential like catastrophic scene at the Capitol building on January 6, 2021, they could all go to jail because they were involved in it and because they quote unquote intimidated people. When in reality, many of these people were going there with the intent of harming congressmen, congresswomen, senators. They built a fucking gallow on the White House lawn or the Capitol lawn, that was not performative. There are actually people within the conspiracy or the big lie who were intently going there and killing people. And one of them was Mike Pence. Like, let's fucking use our brains, Newt. I know you don't have many anymore, but come on. Just to get this straight, he basically threatened publicly the investigators investigating what had happened, right? Yes. That's and he did it he did it like outwardly saying, if you do this, there's gonna be consequences for you, right? Which isn't that in itself like a crime? The exact quote <laughs> impeding an, so, an yes. investigation. Yes. The exact quote was I think when you have a Republican Congress, this is all going to come crashing down. Um, he said it to Maria Bartiromo, and the wolves are going to find out that they're now sheep and they're the ones that are in fact I think face a real risk of jail time for the kinds of laws they're breaking. Not really sure what kinds of laws they're breaking because they didn't actually specify. And of course, because Fox News never fucking asked, the response from Maria was, well, this is such great analysis. Yeah, I think the I think the analysis was that like they're all going to be tried for like treason or something like that, which is just absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's clearly an intimidation because there is a strong belief that the Republicans are going to probably take back the House and take back the Senate in 2024. So this is an intimidation factor, not towards Democrats, because clearly the Democrats are just going to laugh and say, yeah, OK, Newt, thanks a lot. But any of the moderate Republicans that have kind of went along with this, they're like, there will be consequences for this. 
Yeah, and, but none of them are going to be in Congress in 2022 anyway. So what does it matter? Right, right. Well, it, again, it's t- it's typical. It's par for the course at this point that this is how this is how we do it now. This is it's not done by conversations. It's done by making your case in the media and slamming your opponent and own quote owning your opponent, and that's how you win. That's why, I, unfortunately, I I hate it. I wish we could win by being noble and by being good people, but it's just it's not the way it goes anymore. So the Democrats are going to have to learn how to fight dirty too. Yeah, it's the shoot the hostages approach to politics now, and unfortunately, that's one side has been more comfortable doing it than another for for way too long. And they can be completely pyrrhic victories too, right? Like they can be like, we won today and a month from now, it's all going to come crashing down, but it doesn't matter because no one's going to remember it. This is not new to where we are now in the 21st century, but everyone's just trying to win the new cycle in the worst way possible. I think it's just like the desperation to get there has become much more heightened because the new cycle is so much shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Information, information is flowing so fast at this point that it's like, if you try and bring up something that happened a week ago, we don't give you shit. Yes and no. I mean, they just, like, they've learned to just gaslight the public about things, right? Like, oh, you said this. No, I didn't. No, but we literally have you on quotes here. We have you on video saying this. No, that's not what I meant. You're misrepresenting me. And that's that's it. But at the same time, there's other things that were like, oh, we have a digital record of you doing it 10 years ago. And it's prevalent now, and now you can be held accountable for it, too. There's a good and bad to them doing this, right? There's a risk, because something changes in the near future, and now that soundbite can mean a lot more for their career. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think Newt could be an asshole of the week pretty much every week, and it would be normal. He should just yeah. be an asshole because his name is Newt. Who the fuck names their kid Newt? The ones that don't like their kids. It's Newton Gingrich, by the way. Newton. Where did he go to no. school? I have a feeling it's like Lafayette College or some stupid shit like that. Emory, wow. Look at you. Wasn't he like one of fucking Buchanan's bath boys or something? Like, didn't they all yep. just like give each other hand jobs in a fucking bathhouse somewhere? <laughs> Allegedly. While they, they, they were like, you know, we really need to sort this fucking whole mess out with these sexy M&Ms. <laughs> you, know, you know Newt's looking at that uh, brown M&M and he's like, yeah, what that M&M? Yeah, you uh, you want to talk about a useless government position? How about being the U.S. ambassador to the Vatican? Um, that's what his wife's job was under the Trump administration. What what does that person do? Good questions. Pace the halls of like stolen art. I mean, check to make sure that there's no smoke coming out of the the holy chimney. No offense, I'm sure people disagree with me. I consider the Vatican to be an extremely wasteful time. I walk that thing, you crawl through this fucking place. It's like the Catholic version of IKEA. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's so <laughs> weird, dude. You go up and you go down and you're like, I don't remember what floor I'm on. Like, this place is massive and it's just hallway after hallway after hallway. I feel like once you've seen the first hallway, you've seen every hallway at that point. Because I can't distinguish all that. I don't know art that good. And honestly, a lot of that old art is just not good. Yeah, it's it's like, oh wow, they made this giant ass, like... Don't get me wrong, it's pretty crazy when you see a, a hundred foot long, you know, by thir- like 20 foot tall fucking tapestry, but so fucking what? 
I mean, you've seen them, you've seen them all at a certain point, right? Like, I feel like in some cases, there's that's ultimately what comes down to things you don't truly understand. Like, you can see it once and be impressed by it, and then it's like, oh, there's five others of that. Yeah, and and it five is that's a low ball number. That's like they had one hall that was just like it was probably twenty of them fucking deep. You know what rugs I mean? On the wall. Just rugs on the fucking wall. You couldn't touch the rug. You could only look at the rug from like a ten foot distance. And you were Did you in M and M's in the Vatican. No, I don't even think they'd allow you with food. I think you're allowed water, maybe. I don't think you can bring food in there. I, I highly doubt it. But you you're basically walking in what looks like a zombie hive of elderly people because that's mostly what's taking these tours. Yeah, and tracks. So uh, the Vatican is not Anthony Gatto's pick of the week, but let's move on to picks of the week. <laughs> Gatto, you want to start us off? That was that was my anti pick of the week. Um, <laughs> so pick of the week. I heard a little rumor that Ari Shafir is bringing back. This is not happening. And if anybody's and if anybody out there is aware of what this is not happening is, it, it's a series of comics that tell a insane story that they've had in their life and. You can go on YouTube, search these up. I, I still watch them. I go back and watch some of them. There's some great ones out there. I was just listening to the Theo Vaughn uh, in New York City doing the Opie and Anthony show. Um, it's it's worth a listen. It's Check that out. Nice. Q? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, it's a show on Showtime uh, that's just finished up its first season called Yellow Jackets. And this show is fucking insane. Basically, the short plot is that it's a cut from uh, like the 1970s back to modern day. Uh, there's a girls soccer team called the Yellow Jackets. They're on their way to nationals and their plane crashes. And basically, it turns into Lord of the Flies. Um, and it's basically like they don't really tell you everything yet. And, and spoiler alert, you won't know everything by the end of the first season. Um, already been picked up for a second one but it basically like it's unraveling the mystery of what ultimately led from like these you know normal high school girls turning into like like a death cult pretty much and uh it's really 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 interesting kept my attention throughout and i i finished it pretty quickly so i would definitely recommend people check it out i've heard of both and i'm interested in both um but my pick of the week is another book Sorry, folks. Um, the book that I'm reading right now is called The Boston Massacre, A Family History by Serena Zabin. And the book talks about all of the individuals that are, were involved in the Boston Massacre, including the British soldiers, um, exploring their life stories and the relationships that they had with people who lived in the city of Boston. I think there's a, a misconception that the... The soldiers who fought in the British Army were scoundrels or criminals, but in reality, there were folks that were just kind of looking for a different opportunity. And it, the first chapter that I'm on now digs into this family from Ireland who the husband is, a, is an, an enlisted soldier in the British Army, and they're coming over right now to the United States. 
as I said earlier, the book focuses on like the life stories of the individuals that were involved. And that includes the four individuals that died. That includes the British soldiers, but also like their extended families. And what was not lost in time is going to be accounted for in this book. So I'm really interested in it. I saw it on the library shelf the other day and I was, uh, was like, this is a unique topic that gets a lot of play, but people don't really understand a whole lot. I did want to throw out, I'm going to actually be starting a book soon. Um, I haven't started it yet, but it was something that I heard on the Fever Dreams podcast, which I uh, had mentioned at Pick of the Week uh, a couple weeks ago. It's a book called um, Gangsters of Capitalism, Smedley Butler, The Marines, and the Making of Breaking of America's Empire. Um, it's basically following um, a plot of Smedley Butler, who is like a famous Marine. Um, he actually helped lead um, basically troops in China, Panama. He actually helped uh, blaze the path for the, Ban the Panama Canal. The underlying story is that there was a group of, of uh, I guess you can call them like missionaries that were approaching him to... Uh, not missionaries. Um, I forget the mercenaries. word for it. Mercenaries. Thank you. That were lead. That were basically contacting him in help in hoping that he would help lead the charge to uh, perform a coup on President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And there are ties apparently that these these mercenaries got their funding from uh, big CEOs of uh, big Fortune 500 companies. So basically, mm -hmm. it was the a reaction to the growing sentiment of, uh, you know, developing the new deal and essentially trying to squash that. So, uh, really, really interesting. Uh, Smedley Butler is a guy who again has led a lot of, uh, charges. He became very anti-war late in his, uh, his life. And apparently only because he reported this, it ultimately led to, uh, it being, you know, stopped. So if he had gone along with it, we may have actually seen a real coup. So, Wow. Really interesting. It's Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Katz wrote it. I'm just, I just kind of started it, so I don't really have enough to say, but I will report back soon. We will demand updates next week. It, it sounds like the stuff that they make a Call of Duty storyline out of, for sure. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, he goes into it on uh, the last episode of Fever Dreams podcast. So if you uh, if you want more information on that, uh, give that a listen. Very cool. All right, folks, that does it for us here. Um, we are concluding another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Uh, this show would not be possible without listeners like you, so give us five stars and review on all your favorite streaming platforms and share the episode with your friends, too. The only way that we can grow our base is to connect with all of our fans and folks out there that are listeners. Lastly, follow the Second Mouse Podcast on all of your social media accounts. Just search Second Mouse Podcast and give us a like and a follow. We normally share some pretty funny content and memes, so why not follow the page? We can give you a good laugh, and as you're sitting through your next Zoom meeting, you might be able to scroll through and see another picture of um, something funny like Philip Rivers on his draft day. But once again, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Second Mouse Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone.